Welcome to Let's Open the Bible, where our goal is to open the Bible and look at what it says. For the next few minutes, we will be looking at a passage from one book. We will continue weekly until we finish that book. I'm Tom Nordstrom, and with me is Bill, Casey, and Nate. Welcome to Let's Open the Bible. This is season number three, episode number 10. We're in the book of Mark, Mark chapter four, verses 26 through the end of the chapter. Um, With me, I have Nate, and Nate will be reading this passage of scripture here, and then we will discuss the things within it. All right, Mark chapter four, verses 26 through 40. And he said to them, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises at night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, it is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger Then all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the words to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and there was waves... And the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea should obey him? All right, so here in these passages, or in these verses 26 through 40, uh, we see two uh, more parables um, about the kingdom of God, and then we see the Jesus calming the storm, kind of a, a very well-known uh, story there. It seems that these two parables kind of go with the previous context, um, where Jesus is sitting and teaching, and we talked about that last context. And then after these two parables, when he starts to calm the sea, it seems that there's a bit of a like a scene change in Mark. It seems that maybe the context is breaking a little bit. So although we're covering all these verses in one podcast, um, you could probably appropriately, at least in my mind, the way I understand Mark, uh, there's those two parables that we talked about kind of go with chapter four a little better. And then Jesus calming the storm it seems to be a break from chapter four. Um, and uh, Anyway, that's just what I'm noticing as far as the grander context of what we read. So when I see verse 26 through 28, you know, it kind of reminds me of the parable of the sower, but 
The idea is the seed has to be spread no matter what, and that's our job as Christians is to spread that seed, but yet God's the one who gives the increase. Um, in this case, you know, God through providence, through different things, is the one that gives the increase, um, just as the weather permits a seed to either grow or not grow. And so uh, it's God's providence that allows that to happen, and so we have to leave it up to that. But also within this we see the reality of the harvest, which I guess you could refer to kind of as end times judgment, um, whatever you want to refer to that as. But those three things are necessary, so the seed has to be spread. God is involved in the growing or not growing of that seed, and there is a harvest at the end of that scene there. There seems to be some significance in that first parable of the seed growing to the the person who scatters the seed, like like he scatters the seed and then takes a step back and the rest is not is outside of his power. And there's there's key phrases that make me think that that's a major point in the parable. He says he scatters seed, but then he sleeps, um, and then. It starts to sprout, but he does not know how. It says at the end of verse 27, and then the beginning of verse 28, the earth produces by itself. Um, so there, it seems to be a Jesus is pushing this point of the one who scatters the seed is not making it grow. Um, but God, I mean, I think we could infer from this that God is the one making it grow. It reminds me, is it at the beginning of 1 Corinthians? Yeah, 1 Corinthians, I think 4. Where... Um, Paul is condemning the Corinthians for um, following different, I guess, following different human teachers based on who taught them. And what he is saying is none of these human teachers mean anything. And, and he says, I planted, Apollos watered, uh, but God gave the increase. And his point is, although we might have scattered the seed, God is the one who ultimately gives the growth. Where did you say it was? First Corinthians 3, like verses 5 and 6. Okay, so the point here is, I think Casey's right that it goes along with the parable of the sower, and the point here seems to be that um, seed is going to sprout based on, and, and the one who scatters the seed is not making that happen, uh, but it, God is making that happen, and then the at the end there's ultimately going to be a harvest, um, and that reminds me of like revel I've been studying revelation teaching revelation I think it's revelation chapter 14 maybe 14 15 16 somewhere in that range um where we see this picture of wrath or a picture of judgment being depicted as um a a grape harvest and a grain harvest um so anyway yeah that's that seems to carry all the meaning of of that right there. Okay, so if we move on to that next, or do you have anything else on that parable? No. Okay, the next parable we see, oh, and I flipped out a mark. Uh, next parable is the parable of the mustard seed. The kingdom of God is compared to a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed, as we know. Um, when it's sown, it grows up and it becomes this really big tree, bigger than all the other herbs and trees on the earth. And it says that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. And so how small and trivial it seems, but then how big it grows to be. And so, you know, the size of the seed does not dictate the size of the plant. You know, a lot of small seeded plants become really big plants. And so the size of the seed doesn't really, um, there's no 
no no advantage to being a bigger seed. Uh, it's just the size of the seed doesn't really have any play in this. It's what it grows into. So again, it seems like in this second parable, the point is about the growth of that seed where at the beginning of chapter four, he was talking about the sower went out to sow and it'll land on different types of soil. Then he gets into these other parables that one we just discussed was, you know, God is going to give the growth and eventually there's going to be a harvest based on that growth. And then here we see it. Maybe the point you could say is like the, the size or the, um, the significance of that seed planted, it can grow into something very, very significant. Um, and the, parallel that he gives is a little tiny mustard seed grows into the biggest of the shrubs in the garden um i remember we were going through this in school and our teacher one of the applications made here was what is the biggest seed or what is the biggest plant in your garden it sounds kind of funny but he's saying here jesus is saying i want my you know make make me and make your faith in me that can grow to be the biggest plant in your garden. Um, and being a servant in my kingdom, let that be the biggest plant, and it can be. But sometimes we go through life, uh, very often we go through life, and maybe a hobby is the biggest plant in our garden, so to speak. Or maybe maybe we have watered something else to be much, much larger um, than our quote-unquote kingdom of God plant, and we allow... Uh, something else to take over our our mind and our life and we water that nourish that plant maybe that hobby or that thing or that person and it takes over our life as opposed to allowing god to grow that kingdom of god mustard seed plant so that's just an interesting application there and i think we can take that maybe even a step further that if we aren't watering that kingdom of god plant if we aren't feeding that plant how do we expect it to grow um and so God ultimately is responsible for the growth, but there are things that we can do that can help aid in the process of the growth. And so we need to be willing to do that. You know, if we want that to be the biggest plant in our garden, we need to be willing to work at it. You know, a garden doesn't just spring up just entirely by luck. You know, sometimes the weather, different things play into that that are outside of our control, but there are things that we can control um, as far as uh, our garden and how those plants grow. All right. Now we get into chapter 4, starting in verse 35 uh, through 40, and we see a very well-known story of Jesus calming the storm. Uh, So basically, Jesus and his disciples get into a boat, and uh, what I don't know if I've picked up on before is that there were actually other boats with them. They weren't alone on the sea, um, but there was a number of boats going across the sea, and a great windstorm arose, and there were the boat was about to sink and jesus was snoozing down in the boat and his disciples came to him and said do you not care that we're about to die and he said peace be still and then to the storm so the storm um ceased but then he rebuked his disciples and he said why are you so concerned do you do you not have faith um and then they asked this significant question they say, who is this? You know, basically, who is this guy that even the wind and the sea obey him? Um, so that's kind of, I guess, just a recap of the story. And I think 
Is this in the book of John? I think this might be one. There's. It's in Matthew, I know, and it's in Luke. I'm trying to think if it's in John. There's there's only a few stories that are in all four gospels, and I I think this might be one of them, but I can't I can't recall it in John. I don't remember it. In John. I don't think it is. Um, but anyway, it's definitely in the three synoptic gospels: Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, not that that matters if it's in the Bible one time, then it then it's important, but. Uh, there are certain stories, like the feeding of the 5,000 is in all four Gospels, as well as the death, burial, and the resurrection is in all four Gospels. Um, but like, not even the birth of Jesus is in all four Gospels. We don't see the birth of Jesus here. We don't see the birth of Jesus in John. We only see that in Matthew and Luke. But anyway, that's kind of a, a rabbit trail. I feel like Tom is here chasing rabbits. Um, it's interesting that I looked in the other gospel accounts. It doesn't mention other boats being there. Only Mark does that. So I don't know. That's just a, I guess, a cool little piece of information that Mark seems to show that there are other boats besides the boat that Jesus and his disciples are in. Um, also, just kind of backing up just quickly, just I wanted to make mention of something. Um, verse 33 says, With many parables, he spoke to them. The, the word to them is they are able to hear it with many other parables. Um, it reminds me of the end of John. It says many other things he taught them. Um, we don't have everything Jesus ever said or did in the Bible. Um, and I'm in a class right now, a master's class on critical introduction in the New Testament, how we got the books that we got, and how we got the verses that we got. Um, and I think that we have an accurate representation of what we should have. Um, but it's interesting to me that there are other things that were said and done that weren't recorded. Um as far as what Jesus said and what he did while he was here on this earth. Um, so as we get into this story of the calming the sea, it seems like in the book of John, this starts kind of, there's a bunch of stories like this right in a row where Jesus does a very, you could call a very significant and, a, and an impressive miracle while all of his miracles are impressive there seem to be a couple right here in a row that are just like, whoa, that is, I mean, those are, those are big time um, and really stand out. And they all kind of run together in one context right after another. Mark is just boom, 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 boom. Uh, one after another, look at who Jesus is. Um, so those are in chapter 4, 35 through the end of chapter 4. It's Jesus calming the storm. Then there at the beginning of chapter 5, once he gets to the other side of the sea, he casts out uh, a man with with many many demons um then he heals this man's daughter or does he raise her from the dead no, he no he's not first. she's not dead yet um there is dead after that though oh is there mm-hmm. then in the middle of him healing that man's daughter he there's a woman who's been has a discharge of blood um for, for 12 years and he stops that so all of these right in a row um, it's just rapid fire of these seemingly these very significant miracles um, that Jesus does and so he does heal so or sorry I'm trying to get there's a couple in here it seems like Seems like um, someone comes to him and said their daughter is like at the point of death. Um, where does it say that? My little daughter lies at the point of death. That's 523. 
And then on his way there, uh, the one with the discharge of blood encounters him, and he heals that. And then he goes to the same person, or at least this seems like to me it is, and she actually is dead at this point, and he right. restores her to life. Yeah, and so yeah, there's yeah. kind of like a little break in action, and a different event takes place within that one event. Yeah. Uh, um, the thing I was going to say about all this is that it seems like there is different categories of what Jesus has power o- over. Um, so in chapter 4, it's like uh, it's natural things like the wind and the waves. Then it's a demon in chapter 5 early on. Then it's a, a sickness of some sort. And then it's even over physical death itself. And so there's kind of this progression of different categories, um, you could say, of what Jesus has power over. And it's just showing who Jesus is and what he looks like and what he can do. Um, so as they're on this boat, there is this major storm and the disciples are over, you know, they're getting very, very concerned for their lives and Jesus stands up and he calms this storm. But then I mentioned afterward, he, he said, why are you so afraid? Do you not, do you not have faith? Do you, and what he's asking is, do you not trust me? Is essentially, we could almost retranslate that. Do you not trust me? Do you still have no trust? Um, and it's interesting that word still, uh, do you still have no faith? What he's saying is, have we not, uh, it doesn't seem that Jesus, this is not the first time him and the disciples have met. This is not the first situation they've witnessed Jesus in. And he's saying, we've we've gone over this a hundred times. Like we have, you've heard my parables over and over. You've seen me uh, heal people over and over. And uh, do you still not get it? Do you still not understand the power that I have? Um and I think there is major application in that for us is we we watch Jesus and we, uh, you know, from from afar through Scripture, we watch Jesus work and we, we hear him proclaim his power and we see him, um, you know, promise us peace and joy and eternal life. And um, he doesn't promise us health. He promised to, to, to listen to our prayers and his there's so many there's so much that Jesus offers yet so often we are still so i mean shaken to our core whenever something comes up and i i could almost see Jesus standing in front of me sometimes saying do you st- do you still not trust me do you, do you not get it yet and even if we die even if the worst of the worst happens that's still we we still win Jesus could still say trust me it's all going to be it's all going to be fine in the end there's a cool song that we sing um, about this account um, it's called master the tempest is raging and that word tempest just means storm and there's a cool line in there that it goes something along the lines of no uh, nothing can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and skies um, the idea is if jesus is on the boat the boat can't sink if you're in the boat with jesus the boat is unsinkable and spiritually, that's true for us, is if we're in the boat with Jesus, spiritually speaking, and I think we could call that, the ch- you know, in this day and age, the church, then we're not going to sink. If we are in a relationship with Christ, we're told that whenever we're baptized into Christ, we enter into this relationship with Christ. If we stay faithful in that, if we stay in that quote-unquote boat, we're not going to sink. Uh, it can't sink uh, because nothing can swallow the ship where lies the master of o- ocean and earth and skies. So there's some peace in this account. Uh, there's some peace offered in this account about the your proximity to Jesus um, 
means your safety. And for us, that might not be physical, but that's certainly spiritual. I don't think I have anything else. I think that's all I have for this section. All right. Well, we will finish it off there today, and we will catch you on the next podcast and jump into Chapter 5. We appreciate your attention. If there's anything we can do for you, any questions we can answer, please don't hesitate to reach out, and we would be happy to uh, help you in whatever way that we can. Thank you for listening. See you later. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Let's Open the Bible podcast. If you have any questions or if you want to talk about the next steps in your faith journey uh, or you are interested in receiving the daily Bible verse over text that corresponds to the content of this podcast, reach out to us at openthebible2022 at gmail.com and we will get back with you. Uh, We thank you for listening and we will catch you on the next one. Have a good day.